Hello and welcome to HIV Matters Podcast. My name is Michelle Croston and as your host I will be facilitating interesting conversations with leading experts in the field of HIV care. The conversations will be centred around exploring ways to improve quality of life for people living with HIV. Throughout my career I've always had a keen interest in any initiatives to improve outcomes for people living with HIV which has led me to work with a variety of different organisations, with different healthcare professionals and activists. Here at HIV Matters, we hope to use our unique perspectives and platforms to improve knowledge and understanding with regards to HIV. In order to do this, we will engage in conversations with people living with HIV, people who have worked in the HIV sector, and sometimes a mixture of both. We hope you enjoy the episode and if you have any ideas or questions on this or future episodes, please contact us at hello at hivmatters.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram at hivmatterspodcast or visit our website at www.hivmatterspodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and comment on our show. Currently, one in three people living with HIV are women. Public Health England in 2019 highlighted that women make up one quarter of all new HIV diagnoses. Therefore, as healthcare professionals and providers of HIV care, it's really important that we understand the needs of the women that access our services. Sexual health and sexual pleasure is a fundamental factor in overall good health and well-being. Sexual pleasure has also been linked to improving cardiovascular health, perinatal health, and overall health and mental well-being. It's important to also note that the Declaration of Sexual Rights also believe that sexuality is an integral part of personhood for every human being, regardless whether that person chooses to reproduce. So therefore, again, emphasising that sexual health is not just about the absence of disease or viewing women in their reproductive phase, that sexual health and well-being goes on way, way beyond just those factors as well. There's also growing evidence to show that the effectiveness of pleasure-focused programmes in terms of improving attitudes and health outcomes, such as condom use and other safer sexual health behaviours, is advocated for as well. So again, thinking about how we support women who access our services to have pleasurable sex as a result of our interventions. I think you'll agree, as HIV Matters listeners, that this is a really integral part of the care that we provide in the clinic. That's why I'm delighted that Bex is able to share her wealth of experience and passion for this topic area. As we've heard, the U equal U message is fundamental in empowering women living with HIV to support their sexual and reproductive health choices. As healthcare professionals, it's important that we share this message with our patients or the people accessing our services and also the wider communities to help reduce stigma. Today I'm being joined on the HIV Matters podcast by Rebecca Memberwe. So Bex is a mentor, speaker and trainer. She currently leads on a project called Grow GROW, which stands for Growing Older, Wiser, Stronger, which is aimed at women living with HIV who are over 40 and ageing. Bex has lots of affiliations with lots of different organisations. She's an active member of the UK CAB, Beaver, 4M Mentor Mothers and the Salamander Trust. 
I'm absolutely delighted and very honoured that Bex has agreed to talk to us today and a subject that I think our listeners are going to be really interested in because I know I certainly am. We're going to talk today about women, HIV, sex, healthy and happy relationships. So thank you Bex for agreeing to join me today and I'm delighted to welcome you to the show. Thank you Michelle. So Bex, at a recent conference, I heard you give a really great presentation on women living with HIV, which explored healthy, happy sexual relationships. I'm just wondering for our listeners, are you able to provide a brief overview of some of the key points for your talk? Of course, I'd be very happy to. So in my presentation, as you've alluded to, I was asked to talk about sex, women, HIV all in one go um, and it's something I'm quite uh, interested in. So what I tried to cover was why, you know, why are we having this conversation? Why women? Why HIV? Why sex in particular? Um, and yeah, I'll explain a little bit later and unravel that in terms of how the reasons why we're doing that. But I also talked about what good sexual health looks like in the context of women living with HIV. I talked about the limitations, what causes, you know, what prevents us from having this good um, sexual health and healthy, uh, happy sexual relationships. Um, but I also looked at the realities, you know, what really happens in people's lives, um, especially women living with HIV, what what happens when you don't have that kind of thing, what really goes on behind the scenes. I then went on to offer a sort of a five-step action, an action plan, and some fun tips of, you know, what women can do to achieve good sexual health. Um, then I thought, how could other agencies support us to be able to do that? And so I talked a little bit about that as well. Brilliant. Thank you for that great overview for our listeners as well. So I'm just, you, you've mentioned earlier that this was something that um, you were quite passionate about being involved in. I'm just wondering, um, what drew you to this aspect of care? Mm. Um, my personal experiences to, to begin with. Um, as a woman living with HIV or with lived experience of 25 years, these are all factors that, that you know, I, I was um, influenced by myself, uh, talking about sex and just the actual um, considerations that went into that. So I was very much influenced by my personal experiences. But as the longer I, I worked or engaged with other women, the realization that while sexual health is important, not very many women experience good sexual health, let alone even know what that is. So, you know, that's how I got embedded into doing a lot of this kind of work around HIV, around sexual health and re reproductive um, rights. So yeah, those are my main influences. Brilliant. So you've just touched on something really important there about kind of actually, what do we mean by um, good sexual health care? I'm just wondering if you're able to share a little bit from your perspective. So I guess as a, um, a nurse providing support for people in clinic, I may have an idea of what good sexual health care looks like, but actually mm. as a receiver of care, I think my perception may change a bit. So I'm just wondering if you, from your perspective, what does good sexual health care look like? Yeah. Um, thank you. So 
I'm thinking as a woman living with HIV, good sexual health is, um, you know, it's consensual. It's something I'm happy to be engaged in. It's respectful. It's non-coercive or non-judgmental. The way I choose to have sex or have a good sexual health um, relationship with whoever it is, that is what it's, it's basically what I choose it to be. Um, that said, I think it's also important to look at how the World Health Organization has uh, defined good sexual health. And some of the points they've come up with is that it's a state of physical, emotional and mental and social well-being. And I think that encompasses it really well. It's not just um, the absence of disease or dysfunction. Um, and it, within that definition, they've also said that, you know, it needs to be respectful. Um, it needs to be a positive experience, free of discrimination and violence and coercion. And I think that's, you know, the package in which we need to look at um, good sexual health. Yeah. You just touched on some really good points there. I think actually coming into a clinic, we may get down that rabbit hole of thinking about the absence of disease um, mm. and less focus on pleasure. Um, and I'm just wondering, can you share for our listeners from, from your point of view, why it's important that we kind of maybe reframe this aspects of care and potentially don't go down the rabbit hole of disease? Okay, I, th I think it's important. Um, like other areas of our, of, of our health, whether we're looking after our heart or, uh, you know, our brain health or whatever else it is that we're doing, um, I think sexual health is really important because it makes up a huge part of all human beings. And when we think about it, it is a basic human right. Um, so all the social aspects influences, um, you know, that lack of disease. Um, understanding sexual health or understanding what I need to do to engage in safer sex, for example, is what then prevents me from coming into the clinic and therefore, um, you know, takes away or negates all that, um, the reason for disease in a sense, I guess. So I think that's really important to, to talk about. Yeah, no, brilliant. And I think you, you've highlighted really well that good sex, intimacy and physical pleasure are an integral part of well-being. And I think supporting people from my perspective who've received that diagnosis, it's somehow trying to reintroduce that concept. As you said, it's a, a basic human right and sex should be pleasurable. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a lot of things that get in the way of that. Um, so I'm just thinking about the things that get in the way of having good, pleasurable sexual relationships. Can you explain more for our listeners some of the issues that women living with HIV may experience? Okay. So I think that the, the fact that someone's living with HIV to begin with is a, is a good point to start. That in itself is a traumatic experience. Getting an HIV positive diagnosis is very traumatic. That throws a whole lot of issues into uh, into play. So for example, if you've got a woman that got diagnosed antenatally, she has to go home and think about how am I going to tell my husband? And um, very often uh, what tends to happen is, well, you got diagnosed first, so clearly you're the one that brought this into the relationship. 
that can then exacerbate or, um, you know, maybe the beginning of domestic violence. Um, so that's thrown into the mix. Um, other things that we, you know, that, that make it, the other issues, for example, are, you know, cultural and faith beliefs can often have an influence on what we think about good sexual health or even about sexual health at all. Um, biological reasons. So if you're going through the menopause, that might be very difficult to even think about wanting to have sex or have a good sexual relationship. Um, so there are lots of things, you know, um, I, I said trauma, you might be bereaved, um, having lost a partner uh, from HIV as well, or whatever else. So all of those are factors that um, affect women living with HIV and often impact on good sexual health. Thank you. As you've just mentioned, um, there's, there's lots of complex issues and feelings around sex in response to a diagnosis. These feelings, as you mentioned, may change over time or they may become slightly different depending on that life cycle um, of a woman. I'm just thinking for our listeners who may be healthcare professionals listening, can you share any tips or advice with regards to exploring this for women living with HIV? I'm just thinking of the women that may have accessed my clinic in the past and how do we raise these, these conversations? Because obviously we want people to have pleasurable, well, well-rounded experiences. Is there any tips that you can think about that may be useful to share? Okay. I think when, you, when you're um, sitting in front of a, a woman that's living with HIV, um, it's, it's a journey and it's a long journey. Very often what tends to happen is when a woman receives her diagnosis, she thinks, right, first thing that comes to mind is, oh, gosh, I've got a very short time to live. I'm going to die. Um, so everything else goes out of the window. Um, the other thing very often that happens is, right, I'm never having sex again. Because of HIV being considered, um, rightly or wrongly, um, that is a sexual, you know, it's linked to sex, to sex and sexuality and very often um, is frowned upon. I mean, in, in our societies, we don't talk about sex anyway. So anything um, linked to that, we're very often, oh my God, we can't talk about sex, we can't talk about there, and therefore that makes talking about HIV even more difficult. However, then what starts to happen is you realise, okay, I'm on treatment, I'm um, doing really well, um, and that, you know, you 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 that takes up very little time in your day um, very often. So you start to live a normal life. I mean, you can't shut off your feelings. So you start to feel like, oh, I could do with a bit of companionship. And then it just leads on from there. The questions that start to arise from things like that, or you know, when, when things move on a little bit, like, okay, I'm going to have to tell someone that I am living with a long-term health condition. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. um, it's encouraging the person to access peer support and linking them into peer support because that's really helpful. There are women who've been there and done that and they have tips and ways of how to, you know, manage those conversations. So if somebody came to you and said, well, I've met someone and I'm not quite sure about how they feel about HIV. I mean, we, we, we would tell them, well, test the waters, you know, um, talk about 
how you volunteer for an HIV organization and see how they feel um, and then take it from there. So linking them into peer support is quite, quite important. But also the new message around you equals you, you know, share with them the facts, the figures, direct them to the right um, platforms where the information is, um, you know, good information. I always say it's okay to Google, but Google is, you know, also known for not always providing um, accurate and good information. So it's about going to the correct platforms. And if you're an agency or if you're a nurse, you you have the resources, um, you know, at your hands, or at least you know where to get them, you know, you can direct them to the right information. I think those would be the three key things. Once you provide them with good sources of information, link them into um, with peer support. Um, but also as a nurse, you know where else they need to link them in if it is to the <clears throat> local sexual health clinic for, gyne for gyne care. you have those resources at hand and that would be really helpful to link them in. I think then everything sort of fits together. So that's what I would recommend. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. I think you're right, you know, um, access to good information and pointing out that Google sometimes isn't your friend. So to go to those reputable sites, so thinking about how as healthcare professionals we signpost people to those reputable sites. Um, I'm glad you've mentioned the U equals U. So for any listeners who aren't aware, and I never get tired of saying this, if you're living with HIV and you're undetectable on treatment, then you can't pass the virus on. Um, and I think that's, as you've mentioned, a really liberating and a powerful message. I know I was fortunate enough to be able to share that message with lots of people and just see, like physically see a weight being lifted um, as well. So I think, again, we have a role as healthcare professionals to really start sharing that message. And again, like you say, plugging people into different services that may help. Again, if you're thinking about pain during intercourse or intimacy, how can we get people checked out or explore that further? So that's brilliant. And again, power of peer support. I think it's always really useful to share those experiences as well. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. So thank you so much for taking part in today's podcast and sharing your insights and great knowledge around this aspect of care. So now that it's part of the show, which I really enjoy alongside obviously the other bit, but this is a time where we get to know you a little bit better, Beck. So can you share for our listeners something that you do as part of your own self-care practice? Okay, thank you. Um, yes, I have a group of friends that I spend a lot of time with um I mean as we speak we've gone away just to spend some time and uh, relax and reflect and yeah think up of really good ideas we laugh a lot um and they become my sisters from another mother so I absolutely love spending time with them it's one of my things that I do that sounds wonderful. Yeah, connecting with like-minded people and the beauty of laughter yeah. um, as well. So thank you for that. And I hope you enjoy your time. So thank you. Even more delighted that you took time out to share your thoughts with our listeners. It's my absolute pleasure. So can you share with us a book that you've been reading lately? Okay. I, currently, I'm reading a book called Wahala. 
um, by Nikki May. Um, and again, it's part of what we do with this group of friends of mine, particularly in COVID. What we did was we set up a, a book club and every uh, month one of us recommends a book and then we read it. Um, so at the moment we're reading Wahala and we're hoping to find time to review it when we're here. Um, but more recently, I think one of my favourite books is another one I read by um, Vernal Scott. It's God's Other Children. I love, love, love the book because it's so candid and it's just, it makes us as a society really reflect on things that we think we are so well informed on um, and we're not. So, you know, it, it's, it's a reflection of his life as a gay man and all the challenges that he goes through so it's one of my favorite books at the moment oh, brilliant i'll definitely be um checking that out as well it sounds really good yes and i love the idea of a book club as well it's a great way to to, to share um books with people close to you as well so finally the magic wand question so if time resources and money weren't an issue what would you like to see changed or seen done differently? What I would like to see is more women being involved in research. I think we're grossly misunderrepresented. Um, I would also like to see more of um, expert patients being embedded within the services, whether it, even if it's just in a consult consultative way, um, making patients the centre of uh, decision-making, um, you know, involving them in shaping the services, I think, then you're more inclined to get a better outcome. And then, of course, funding, funding organisations to make all of this possible, funding with grassroots organisations that already involve um, and are practising these things. They involve women in research, they make sure women or, you know, are at the table making decisions. So, yeah, funding um, for the organisations to make this possible and make sure that women are more involved in research and are embedded in, in services. That would be my wish. It's a great wish to have. And I think you're right. As we move forward, we need to think about more ways that we are more inclusive to women in our research that we carry out because there are a big percentage of the receivers of care so we need to make sure that we're catering for their needs yeah. especially as we've got all going on this journey of life um, and how things change over time yeah yeah definitely so thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much Bex for joining us on today's HIV Matters it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm glad that you asked me thank you so much Thank you to today's guest and to you for listening to this episode of HIV Matters. I don't know if you're anything like me and are busy writing down the lovely book suggestions made in our show. That's why HIV Matters have teamed up with bookshop.org to bring all these fantastic books to you in one unique place. To find out more about this and how to access the bookstore, please check out today's show descriptions. Today's edition of HIV Matters has been brought to you via an unrestricted educational grant from Vive Healthcare and Gilead Sciences. Gilead and Vive have had no input into guests or topics. 
HIV Matters is the official podcast of the National HIV Nurses Association. For more information about the National HIV Nurses Association, head over to www.nivna.org. Thanks again for listening to our show. We hope to see you next time and together we can make a difference.